Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Well, we welcome you back to the Insurgents Podcast. I have with me Nikki V once again. And we are looking at every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels. And the next reference is in Matthew 6, verse 33. You want to read that for us, Nikki? Sure will. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So obviously a couple of questions right off the top here. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of just make our way through these. What is he talking about when he says all these things, all what things will be added to you? So that's something mm-hmm. we want to cover. And then, um, Frank, a question that I'm going to pose to you right now that I'd like you to start off with, if you would, is to, to me, this passage of Scripture is one of the most misquoted passages, or maybe that's not quite the right word. It's the most truncated passage of Scripture. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear somebody say, seek first the kingdom and kind of the implication is you know just be serious about about god and be serious about being a christian and be serious about and then don't and don't worry about everything else it'll take care of itself but that's not really what this passage is saying the lord said seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness so that is that is directly linked in there with the kingdom and pursuing the kingdom what does this mean what does it mean to Hmm. pursue the kingdom and his righteousness. Do you want to comment on that? <laughs> I think a lot of people hmm. have a question about that. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a big question. Let me sneak up on it. I think, um, I think it's important in order to understand that verse, those words of Jesus, to go back to the beginning of, of chapter 6. And of course, in the original manuscripts, there was no chapter and verses, but there seems to be some segues. And the beginning of chapter six, we have one of those segues where I think what Jesus is starting to riff on could be described as ambition. He starts out with worldly ambition. And worldly ambition can take two forms. It can take a, a, a secular, materialistic form, or it can take a spiritual religious form and so in the beginning of the passage verses 1 to 18 in Matthew 6 he's really talking about worldly ambition in the form of religiosity you know just the way that both the religious leaders and the pagans pray the way they approach God with things like fasting right it's all ambition is what you can see here because it's all pretense. It's all based on receiving praise from men. But then he moves, beginning in verse 19, to what we would call secular ambition, the needs and the wants of this life. And 
what Jesus does, I think, in verse 33 is he turns the whole thing upside down and he says, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a kingdom person, you want to discard worldly ambition in both the religious sense and the secular sense. You want to make the kingdom of God your supreme ambition. The verse is so familiar that it's lost its potency. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, it's a song we sing, several songs we sing. It, it sort of um, takes the teeth out of it. So I'll try to 21st century this, and then I'll get around to your question, which I think is great about his righteousness, which is often left out of the uh, exhortation. But I would put it this way. The pagans, those who do not follow Jesus Christ, and religious people, who do not follow Jesus Christ. They chase after money. They chase after possessions. They're occupied with things like a bigger income, a nicer and larger home, a fancier car, fine foods, fine clothes, fine toys. These are the things that drive them, right? Power, prestige, pleasure, possessions. But those who are in God's kingdom those who have received and embraced the gospel of the kingdom, the insurgents, our driving force, what we run after is the kingdom. We're occupied with the kingdom. We chase after the kingdom. We pursue the kingdom. Both the experience of it, the enjoyment of it, the displaying of it, the advancing of it, but not just the kingdom, but his righteousness. So to your question, my understanding is that throughout the Bible, righteousness has two aspects to it. There is the one aspect that we would call right standing with God, right? A right relationship with God. The other is right living. I don't think Jesus is talking about seeking right standing with God. That's not something we seek. That's something that is given to us as a gift. When we come to Christ, we are given his righteousness right standing. But out of that righteousness that we are given, that right standing ought to come right living, right? Righteousness, practical righteousness. And he talks about righteousness all throughout Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He mentions it numerous times, you know, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. When you practice your righteousness, do it in private. So to me, this is really dropping the bomb, so to speak, by saying, if you're going to seek the kingdom, you can't separate that from seeking his righteousness. It's another Hebrew parallelism. They're saying the same thing, just like the kingdom come, your will be done. <laughs> it's saying the same thing right after the initial statement. It's a different way of saying it. And so consequently, if I'm going to seek the kingdom, if you're going to seek the kingdom, pursue the kingdom, chase the kingdom, make the kingdom of God our supreme ambition, Included in with that is living under the king's reign. And that's what you call righteousness. It's living as the king taught us how to live. And of course, it's a whole other conversation, but we can't do that in our own power. But he's given us his own life and he lives his life through us. And what is that? That's called righteousness. To me, I, I'm glad this is put in here because it's easy to say, yes, I'm a kingdom first seeker. But if our lifestyle is contradicting that, then those words are empty. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing too, I think, Nick, is in the parallel passage in Luke 12, 
and it's in verse 32, right after Jesus talks about seeking the kingdom, pursuing the kingdom first, right, making it your, your sole ambition, he says it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm. So yeah. it's not a vain pursuit. <laughs> He's promised to give us the kingdom, just like he promised Israel that he would give them the land, but they simply had to believe and press their way into it, which is another episode. <laughs> but he's pro it's his good pleasure. He wants to give us the kingdom. And again, that's not heaven. That's your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done as it is in heaven. And so I also think that this maps to our previous episode where we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Think about it. The prayer is your kingdom come. Well, if I'm praying, God, I want your kingdom to come, then if I really believe that prayer and I'm living that prayer, then what am I doing? I'm pursuing the kingdom first, right? And then the second part is, if I'm asking for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, but I'm seeking your righteousness. I'm seeking to fulfill your will in my own life and in the lives of those around me. So that's what I would say in answer to the question. Well, that's, that's an excellent answer and really, really helpful, especially, I mean, all of it was helpful, but especially the part about not seeking right standing. That's not what he's talking about here, that righteousness covers some different ground there. Mm -hmm. I think that clarification is incredibly helpful for me anyway. So just to, to kind of just bounce off of what you just said. So we got really kind of two different groups of people that are being addressed here. You've got what I will call... They're both, both groups are ambitious people, but one group of people, their ambition is cloaked in spiritual garb That's right. or religious garb, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and those are the folks from uh, 6.1 all the way to 6.18. Mm -hmm. You got these, the ambitious people who are hiding behind spiritual camouflage, hiding their ambition. Mm -hmm. And then from 19 up to 32, you've got a more naked ambition, um, which probably reflects the current culture that we're living in. These are all things that are lauded in our culture, mm -hmm. all the negative things that are now lauded as positive traits. Um, so you got both groups of ambition. And that second group, you know, he references the heathen, right? And heathen are gonna heathe, right? Pagan's gonna peg. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> he's going to, but he's addressing those who, uh, this is the thing you absolutely love about Jesus, right? He's not going to allow for any self-deception. Mm. So you're not going to be able to say that you're a kingdom pursuer and have all this naked ambition running around in your life. Hence, above all else, pursue the kingdom and his righteousness. That second add-on, uh, which is not an add-on at all. You talked about the Hebrew parallelism. That's exactly what it is. They're one and the same thing. There is a righteousness that is the internal litmus test to whether the kingdom of God is actually being touched and experienced by an individual mm -hmm. or a group of individuals. Yeah. You can't just say that you are having it or enjoying it, or that you know it, or that you've touched it, or that you are the kingdom, there is actual evidence that ought to be accompanying somebody who is who has touched or entered the kingdom, to use a more mm -hmm. biblical language. 
not just seen the kingdom, but has actually entered the kingdom. And so we have this term, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. As you were talking, one of the passages that came to my mind was in Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans 14, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, mm-hmm. but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he, Paul's literally doing the same thing, but maybe even unpacking it a little bit further than the Lord does here um, by making that statement, because he's actually addressing some outward stuff. And again, is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? No, folks, let's be clear about that. But what we're talking about here is to what degree are these things ruling in your life? To what degree are they prioritized? Or is it the other way around that while you might like something to exist in your life, whether it does or does not has no bearing on whether you're going on with Jesus Christ in your life or not, whether you're going to continue to follow him, uh, whether you lay hold of power, because there are Christians in position of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you have prestige, because there are some Christians that have have some measure of prestige, whether there is pleasure existing in your life in one degree or another, or whether you happen to own some possessions or not, that's not really the point here, mm-hmm. because we find plenty of examples in the Scripture of people that have position of power sure. or people that have possessions and things like that. Again, everything with the kingdom starts as an internal matter first. And a lot of times we view the kingdom of God exclusively as an external thing. It's out there somewhere and I'm going to enter it. But in reality, Jesus repeatedly demonstrates in the gospel that first the kingdom invades you internally first. And that's how you walk into it externally. So we're not doing this by our own power and by our own will. We are invaded by the Holy Spirit first, and he brings that desire for the kingdom mm-hmm. and its righteousness. He brings that into us by his indwelling. And then as God the Father gains ground within us and gains that rulership within us, then the kingdom begins to be expressed through us. And this is why I think it's taking so long for the manifestation of the kingdom to come because it's not just purely an external thing. I think a lot of times we have this notion that there is this fateful day marked on God's calendar. And no matter what's going on in the heavens, in the earth, in God's people, when that day arrives, it's all gonna happen. And I sometimes wonder if we've got it a little bit backwards that that date is actually quite fluid from the Father's vantage point and what we're really what what really needs to unfold is the kingdom needs to take over the internals of God's people that rulership of God's of God needs to occur we're the ground we're the initial piece of earth that needs to be conquered first before the rest of the visible earth the external part that we look at from our eyeballs uh, before we see the kingdom of God there we have to see the kingdom of God ruling the reign and rule of Christ within at least the ecclesia and the people that make up the ecclesia. Well, that's, I mean, that is, in effect, the, the realm of the kingdom. It's the people who are ruled. So we can't separate the kingdom from the people who are in it yeah. and who, who are a part of it. But that kingdom is the reign of Jesus Christ. It is his rulership. It is his kingship. 
and you're right. The, the Holy Spirit in us will always point his arrows. The instincts of the Spirit will always push us toward being kingdom first people. But we could hold on to things that block those instincts and impulses where they don't even register in us. I like the Weymouth translation of Matthew 6.33. It reads like this, but make his kingdom and righteousness your chief aim. And then these things shall all be given to you in addition. Now, you, you mentioned what are those things. And he, he talks about what they are preceding the statement. Our basic needs, you know, uh, food, shelter, clothing, drink, things we need to exist. And it's really a promise of provision that if you put the kingdom of God first, you make it your sole ambition, you make it to be the governing driver of your life, you don't have to worry about your needs. A father's going to take care of them just like he takes care of the birds and the lilies, etc. Um, so you don't have to pursue those things. The Lord will take care of them. But I, I come back to this question, how do we know if we're a kingdom first seeker? And I think there, there are three marks or markers to determine what we're seeking first. What is our chief ambition in life? And I've reduced them down to, to the following. One, what drives you? In other words, what's your passion in life? Right? What, what is it that lights you up? What's that driving force in your life? That's the first one. Two, what is your mind occupied with when it's not absorbed in a current task? If you're a welder and you're not welding metal, what does your mind go to? You know, if you're a seamstress and you're not sewing some clothing, what does your mind go to? What are you most occupied with? And, and it seems to me, too, that there's a tie-in with worry and what you're focused on. Because if you're focused on material wants and needs, then that's what you're going to worry about, right? Same thing with money. So what is your mind occupied with when it's not absorbed with a task? And then the third one is, what are you sacrificing for? Because really, when it comes to values and priorities, it's easy to say, I value this or this is a priority. But unless you sacrifice for it, <laughs> we can question if that's a value or a priority for us or anyone else. So those are the three things. What drives you, what's your mind occupied with, and what are you sacrificing for? What are you sacrificing your time and your money for? And I'll use an illustration. I, I met this gentleman once years ago. I, I only met him once, and we had dinner together. His name was Tom. Within 10 minutes, I was able to discern what Tom's passion in life was, and it was scotch. And it's because the entire 90 minutes of our dinner, he talked about scotch. He talked about his scotch collection. He talked about the different scotch shows and displays that he, he's been to. He talked about the money he spent on scotch. I mean, the guy lived, breathed, and drank scotch. And so <laughs> that's an example of a guy who his passion was scotch. It drove him. His mind was clearly occupied with it. I'm sure he worried about his scotch collection, right? 
And he sacrificed his time and money for scotch. And that's a good, clear peek into how to determine someone's sole ambition. And I think if someone is just as obsessed and occupied with the kingdom of God, a lot of those same traits are going to be there. Mm. Out of the abundance of the heart yes. speaks the... Speaks the social media feed. Yes, (laughs) that is correct. I'm sure there's scotch all over Tom's Facebook page, etc. Well, there's no doubt that um, just the wording that the Lord uses here, um, the net translation says, above all, pursue Mm -hmm. his kingdom and his righteousness. I mean, the word seek really in its original meaning is actually an intense word. You're yeah. seeking something, yeah. you are intensely looking for it. I, I think somehow that's watered down a bit now that it's more casual. Um, and there's nothing casual in, in, the, in the articulation here by the Lord. It's actually quite intense that you're seeking, you're pursuing. I hear the word pursue, I'm thinking of you know Hollywood movie car chases where one yes. car is pursuing another it. you running are after like it. I mean you're on two wheels as you're making the turn that's it you know it's intense you're 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 possibly going to lose your life in the pursuit it's that intense maybe that precarious mm. and things like that uh, that's the kind of language that's being used here yeah. it's not casual and i feel like many times when we're um, i don't know if this is globally true or if this is in the west i spend most of my time in the west so the christianity i observe is is western but it's almost like the kingdom is more of a hobby than a life or death pursuit and if this is just a casual thing for you you will never enter the kingdom Um, it just simply is not a place you're going to get to if if it's all hinging on all your circumstances being just so and there being a certain degree of convenience if anything once you start earnestly pursuing the kingdom you can expect obstacles to appear uh, you can expect resistance uh, on all sorts of levels you can expect things to get maybe even more difficult um, the kingdom is not something that the casual observer or a hobbyist is going to ever have a collision with. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because based on our backgrounds, I know when I was a young, young Christian and I heard this podcast, let's say I never read Insurgents and this is the only podcast episode I ever heard from the Insurgents podcast, I would interpret everything we're saying through the grid of, oh, well, seeking first the kingdom means I'm seeking to go to heaven and I'm seeking to get other people to go to heaven. So Mm. that's what they're talking about. And that's not what we're talking about. Certainly bringing other people into the kingdom of God is a part of this. Certainly there's an eternal dimension to the kingdom that's future, but the kingdom of God is now. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom now. It's here. And it's something that you can enter into and experience encounter and also advance we're well past the 90s in the number of episodes we've done but if but if you're new and you don't really know fully what we're talking about go back and listen to the previous episodes because these all really do build on each other 
The other point I want to make is this word seek or chase or run after or pursue is in the present tense in the original. It means keep pursuing, keep seeking. You know, it's not something that you get your t-shirt and you're done with it and you got your badge or you got your ticket. You keep pursuing, you keep pressing in. There's so much more to the kingdom of God to explore. It is the unsearchable riches of Christ uh, that Paul talked about. It's the good land filled with milk and honey and so many other things that the Old Testament speaks of. That was a picture, the land, the good and, and wonderful abundant land is a picture of the kingdom. All of this is what we are to pursue. And the final thing I wanna to say too, Nick, is what are these other things? Well, they're your basic needs. But how did the followers of Jesus in the first century, when we read about them in the New Testament, how did they get their needs met? Well, they got their needs met. They got their food, their drink, their shelter, their jobs, their possessions. They got them through the means of other believers. You read this in the book of Acts. They took care of each other. They even sold their possessions, those who had wealth, to take care of those who did not have wealth, those who were needy. You read about it in 2 Corinthians. You read, it, you read about it in the book of Galatians. It was those in the kingdom were caring for those in the kingdom. Those who had more were caring for those who had less. And so in the kingdom of God, when it's operating as God intended, the Lord meets our needs primarily through one another. And so part of seeking the kingdom is I'm seeking through hospitality and generosity to take care of the needs of my brothers and sisters who are less fortunate. Great point. Yeah. So seek the kingdom first and foremost, and everything that you need will be added to you. Psalm 84:11. no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Rather than being anxious about your needs, let the kingdom of God be your governing passion. Make it your highest priority and the biggest goal in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.